Recent research reveals that over 75% of the average knowledge workers working week is spent in an office. In an office. In an office. How are, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing very well. I uh, apologize. I was distracted by our sponsor. Which sponsors? Are we just, you know what we should do? We should top load all the sponsors. Top load them. Oh. Do them all up front. Front, front, uh, front piling. Front pile. Mm-hmm. Dog, dog pile. That's right. You uh, pre-Q. Pre-K. <laughs> get, them all, get them all up in the front. Just jam them in. Yeah. I heard a show. Um, Moises had a show the other day. I think it had 11 sponsors. Yep. <laughs> Did it really? What, how do we do that? What, what do we need to do? I don't we know. What are we not these. doing? We're not what are we doing, doing wrong? What's happened to the show, Dan? <laughs> what has happened? What, what is, people used to enjoy this. They would, they would pay money to be on here. If you were to, had like 30, literally 37 sponsors on the show. I don't know why we're not doing this. Stuff I've never, I think some people were on three times. I think we're four audible ads. What's going on, Dan? What's happening? How are you doing? Way up there. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty good. Picked up some dry cleaning. Yeah. Had some eggs. What kind of stuff do you take to the dry cleaner when you go? You don't want to know. You don't want to know. They can tell. They can see it coming. They can see, by the way, my sartorial decisions. When I walk in there, they know what kind of problems they'll be facing. <laughs> they know what kind of proteins to treat, if you know what I mean. Ooh. Mm-hmm. You know what gets out protein? Protein. Uh, I've heard that. <clears throat> um, did I tell you I, I got a feces light? Um, you didn't actually buy one, did no, you? No, I did. I totally did. Oh, boy. That's... A really, really bad idea, Dan. How, how, how is it working out for you? Well, it, it, here's the downside to it, mm-hmm. is that I get, when I use it, I get a headache very quickly after, I, even only just using it for about five minutes. <laughs> you, just, you just pointed at yourself No, for that's the whole thing. It's not, not when still, I pointed at Still good. Still good. Still good. Still good. <laughs> just Sorry. checking my own, my mm-hmm. hands. <laughs> In the mirror. <laughs> no. Does that look clean to you? Basically... <clears throat> <laughs> so I, uh, I I take this and I originally got it for the scorpions, you know. <laughs> what? Well, we have scorpions, and I don't I don't want to encounter one again at night. So I've got two flashlights I go around with at night now. One goes this way, one goes that way. You got, you got two. So what? You got two flashlights. You got scorpions. I'm, I'm already completely lost. Well, you've got you've got scorpions that come in your so home. <laughs> <laughs> we had a scorpion, and apparently it was because of the the vents. The screen and the vents, you could push marbles through. So this, that's how they were getting in. Mm-hmm. And the wasps. We had over 200 wasps in the soffits. So I, you know, I don't, but the benefit of this scorpion light is the, is it can be, it doubles as a, fe, to see feces. It's, is so it like, bring it, is bring it like it night owl, is it like night owl number two's goggles? Like, how does it work? You see, like, it's are, a is flashlight. It like one of the, it's a little pocketable flashlight. But it's got like an infrared uh, feces meter? No, you see the feces. It, uh, it fluoresces under the light. This is a built-to-purpose scorpion feces detecting light. That's right. Hmm. What the, what's the uh, brand name of something like that? Uh, you know what? I'll put, it in, I'll put it into the show notes. I'll toss out the scorpiator. Um, I will toss... Uh, Dan, where would people go if they wanted to find out where to buy a scorpion feces detector? Uh, they would go to 5x5.tv slash B as in brothers, 2 as in the number, W as in feces, slash 134. That's what I've got here. Hold on. I'm getting, I'm getting the link to this. Okay. Here's what it is. It is 
a uh, it, the, the name of this is LED Wholesalers. It's a 400 nm UV ultraviolet black light flashlight. Requires uh, some batteries. And this one got the best reviews. It got three, four stars out of 325 reviews. It's $5.50. That's it? Yeah. You've been, you've been wandering around, if you'll pardon my saying, you've been wandering around in the wilderness wondering if there's feces in your home and for $5 American, <laughs> you could know literally in the middle of the night. I know. Doesn't that seem nuts? It's like you had two lives. So here's what they say about it, uh, that it can do. It works great with, quote, invisible ink uv reactive marker you can write secret messages with this nice apparently you can uh automobile air conditioning fluid leaking body material all kinds of feces and scorpions iridescent fluorescent in a beautiful way you see if money is real you point it point at a dollar bill see if it's a real dollar (laughs) this brings out Every conceivable problem that you have in one place. All in it one really, it's a, it's a one-stop non-solution. Yeah. What a terrible idea, Dan. Have you tried? No, it sounds like you haven't tried secret code yet. Are you checking your money? I don't want to work ping pong. No. Have you been checking your money to make sure it's real? No. Can you see if your money has feces on it? You, you know it definitely does. definitely can, and you know it does. And I was thinking, you know, I have two, two children in the house. So I was wondering how much feces would be, you know, in a closet or something. And, and guess what? Hmm. there's some there's some there so hmm. i would bring it to the dinner table i would shut off the lights and say everybody fingers out <laughs> let's have a look right you know it's like it's like benjamin franklin uh says check your children for scorpion feces every day all right if you don't know what it's for they will well they'd sell a sharpie type invisible ink uv marking pen that you can get <sighs> it's four bucks and that way i guess you could leave messages so what I'm going to do is get one of these pens. The next time I stay in a hotel room, I'm going to scrawl some messages on the wall for the next person who's like me and comes in with their feces light. Oh, that's good. This is the only biography I'll ever write. Mm-hmm. That's really good. You should do that. Mm-hmm. Huh. And so how long have you had this, Dan? Um, a week or two. A week or two. Uh, I haven't traveled with it yet, but... I um, have to imagine you're moving stuff around your schedule. It seems like this, this is something where important. you would... This is important, important work I'm doing up here. Well, I mean, if you just were to say, you know, it's sort of like, oh, I got a few minutes till my family comes home. I'm just going to check this one very small area. Yeah. But I'm just guessing the minute you flip that on, just you're going to see like the background feces light up just out of the corner of your eye. Right. And pretty soon you're just going to be on your hands and knees for a long weekend. If you know what I mean? Oh, I know exactly. What That's you mean. miserable, Dan. Oh, <gasps> and has it led to any changes in no. your decision making or behavior? No. Not yet. What about the marbles that get pushed through the uh, fascia or the soffit? Well, soffit the guy the came out and he removed five large uh, wasp nests and uh, treated the whole area. And now he said that there were approximately 200, you know, baby wasps preparing to be, to come oh into the Oh my world. God. Yeah. What kind of hellhole are you living in? I know, it's You're, pretty bad. You have, you have money and stuff. You've got a nice house, but you got you got marbles and scorpions and poop mm-hmm. and 200 baby hornets. Wasps, excuse me, wasps, not to work ping pong. That's, that's horrible, Dan. <laughs> they're gone now. 400 bucks <laughs> later think? and they're gone. You should probably get a, some kind of a wasp flashlight just to be sure. Have you thought about getting a second flashlight so you could see how the one you're using is um, holding up? I need to use a second flashlight on the original flashlight you're saying. So in an operational Ziploc. You put if, it in an operational Ziploc, 
so that you can be, am I wrong? That way you could point it at that one. Because the thing well, is, you've been, been using, I've been using 15 Kleenexes to hold the flashlight. So you I have think a light it, paddle? Yeah. <laughs> and then when I say 15 Kleenexes, I don't mean, you know, how if you look at a Kleenex, it's like two ply. I'm talking mm-hmm. a, a two ply equals one Kleenex. You think he actually counted how many were in each paddle? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I know. He did. The counting is critical to it. <laughs> Without the counting, how do you know where you are? You grab a bunch and you start doubting yourself. I should get one more. <laughs> well, there have to be limits. <laughs> you have to be able to, to keep track of what's going on. Uh, more and more people are seeing operational the reasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you well, you got to keep costs down. You know, just because you're tightly wired doesn't mean you have to throw a bunch of money away that has poop on it. I know. How do you feel when you go in, you drop down a hundred dollar bill and they hold it up to light? How you, does that hurt your feelings at all when they do that? Not as much as it used to. I don't mind it. I, yeah, in fact, I, I, it makes me so, it used to make me so uncomfortable because I felt like it was awkward for both of us. It's like getting you know? ID'd. Like sometimes I'll get ID'd to I buy. I feel like I was walking into a menswear section and they'd, uh, you know, drop their hand in my pants and check my junk and make sure I belong there. It's like, no, it's cool. Trust me. I yeah. can get a sports coat. Don't worry about it. But you know, now, now I'm like, it's, it's cool. You know, if you want to hold it up to light because you think I might be stealing, it's fine. I'm I hear it's a big problem. Big fun. problem. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Colin. No, uh, thank you. Uh, first time counterfeiter. I've heard it's a huge problem. That's what I've heard. The counterfeiting? Yeah, especially with the hundreds. I hear it's a pretty big problem. So they check, you know, because then that comes out of your drawer, if you know what I mean. Oh, Dan, that's... uh the till. You sound like you're doing... Uh, they call it a till. You sound like you're doing really well, considering the fact that you now have a poop-detecting flashlight. Well, I'm not using it as much because I get a headache if I use it for more than a few minutes. God, your life's complicated. Maybe you get some offsetting goggles with some kind of a UV thing. Mm-hmm. Protective and, and goggling. Protective, protective goggling, and you would look, you would look like, uh, like, like Cyclops, but, but you know, Lanel. <laughs> I would look exactly like him. <laughs> I bought a really, 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 well, to me, old comic book. I bought a 1984-aged uh, comic book the other day. I had an interview with... Um, Chris Claremont about New Mutants. It's pretty cool. It's called Marvel Age. It was like a series, I guess they did, of like people talking about Marvel comics. You ever heard of that Marvel Age? Yeah, I have. It's pretty weird. It was cool. I mean, it's you know, it's that kind of tongue-in-cheek Marvel that I remember from being from being a kid. You know, I remember Marvel having seeing much more like homemade and having like a kind of a silly sense of humor about itself, which I think was really Stan Lee's way of saying none of you're going to be paid. So you might as well laugh along. <laughs> Yeah, Stanley, what a guy. Kirby Schmurvy. That's Stanley driving the pickup truck. She said it again the other day. <laughs> My daughter's getting great at spotting a Stanley cameo. You know, he he executive uh, produced the show today. I don't know if you knew that. Stanley this show. He's he's exe- he's executive producing pretty much everything we consume in America today. Oh wow. Mhm. <sighs> I'm going to send you a link here in the robot. Hang on a second. And we, you can decide if this is the kind of thing that you want in the show notes or not. But I got, if it's I, a lady in a costume, I think that's inappropriate. No, no, no. I All would right. never. Send me it anyway. I just sent it in the, in the robot. Take a look at this cover. This is a cover of uh, Candy Capers no, uh, book two, not, uh, number two. Mm-hmm. Have you seen this? Are you familiar with this? Yeah, we got a copy of it. Um, with this cover? I don't know. Oh, I don't know if we have a variant. We've got one with cinnamon bun. I didn't get anything in the robot. Oh, thank yeah, it's there. Oh, God, what a mess. Oh, Skype, really? Ugh. Okay, here it is. All right. 
Oh, God, that's handsome. I don't know if that's the one we've got. Look at Lemon Grab. Isn't that amazing? Candy capers are fun. You know what else is great? The Adventure Time comic continues to be great. We read the latest Adventure Time comic yesterday, and it's a riot. It's so funny. It keeps playing on that theme of time travel and, mm. and multiples of each character. And Right. Did you, did you watch that Ryan North talk on time travel? I think I mentioned it on here. Uh, no, I have not yet watched that. Oh, he's a delight. What a great image. So you got, you got Peppermint Butler, who we all know is super freaky. Oh, yeah. Cinnamon Bun, who tries hard but is mostly useless. And then a cavalcade of characters. So now Peppermint Butler's like solving crimes, except he's obviously insane. He's like the Dark Knight of uh, Mints. <laughs> well, he's evil. I think he must be. There's that one episode that opens with him having some kind of demonic ritual with uh, Cinnamon Bun. Doesn't he? Does he? Isn't he in like a cave with like incantations and stuff? Yeah, something weird like that. Like he's and he hissed. He hissed at the uh, the one guy, and apparently he knew the Lich King and. Oh, and there's the critical scene. Remember with the scanning, they're going to scan your soul. Oh, yeah. And, and they, he would not let that happen. You don't want to see mine. Um, I got a lot of things here. Uh, none of them are Just critically. like items on your... My papers. Uh, I had a dream about you. Me? Uh, I want to announce something uh, that I'm very excited about. Okay. I'm going to announce this here because if I don't announce it, I won't announce it. Um, the Ungainly X-Man. Comic meetup here in San Francisco is now officially scheduled, uh, scheduled, as you say. And so I want to make sure people know about that. Let me pull it up here in my text editor. I've been wanting to do a thing for a while where, um, you know, I can hang out with nerds and talk about comics, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it's a thing I'm starting to do. And so here's the thing at, uh, uh, two cats comics, my local, as they say, uh, here in West portal, September 10th, just in a couple weeks, I believe. Yeah. A couple weeks couple Tuesdays from now, 7 to 9 p.m., September 10th. It's at Two Cats Comics, 320 West Portal Avenue in San Francisco. And I have a page on this. I just started putting up on Squarespace, but then I uh, lost track of time. So I'll have that up. I'll, let's put it at, say, MerlinM.com slash meetup is where we'll put it once it's up. I'll do it as soon as the show's over. Yeah, but the basic idea is you come out to, uh, it's accessible via lots of muni. You come on out. There's not going to be booze or anything, but there will be comics and uh, you can um, have me talk to you about comics until you're good and sick of it. And you can meet other nerds and you can see my uh, favorite local comic store. And I wish people would come. I think it would be, wouldn't that be kind of fun, Dan? For people I think it would be really great. And I think it's also genius that you've put it on the same day as the Apple announcement when you know people are going to be in San Francisco for that anyway. So why not have them come there after? It's smart. Yes, that's, I'm amazed that you're able to intuit that that's what I had in mind because I definitely knew that was the day of that announcement. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. We might have to cut this out. No, you, why? That's good. Nobody's going to come, come. They're going to be sitting around talking about phones. They'll come oh, with their, their yeah. I don't think the phones are available that day. <sighs> they're not available, but they're going to be in San Francisco. Dan, you're the one with the scorpion poop detector. Is this a terrible idea to schedule it on this day? No, I, I, I'm telling you, it's genius. It's pure genius. Taking forever. It take, it's taken forever to, to schedule this. And I, I no, hmm. do it. It's good. It's a good thing. What are you talking? So people being, will be. Some people will be in town for that's the event. What I'm saying you're going to probably See, be able to get all your all your buds are going to be in. I town. was going to try and get Jason Snell to come, but I figured Snell he's be busy there. Talk, they'll be talking about phones and that hot. Remember that hot little studio? Remember you, how hot it was oh, in there? It's bad. You want to know the truth about Jason Snell? You want to know no. this? No. he doesn't care about technology or phones. No, so it's all about the music for him. For, for him, it's how does he get closer to the music? 
Mm. How does he connect more with the original performance the way it was intended, the vinyl? Oh, right. L- literally holding it to your ear. He doesn't even put he doesn't even put the album on the record player. He just he lets it sing to him through just physical contact with it. Mm, Runs his fingers roots. across the groove. Deep 120 grams of Jason. Yeah. I, don't, I um you know there's a line in our house. You've seen uh, Simon and Marcy, right? Yes. That's Remember, probably he, the best. The probably the best adventure time I've seen. It's the best adventure time ever. And uh, that and I remember you watching those two back to back is is uh, is a heart uh, tugger. But there's a great I, I think this is like three different jokes. But no matter how you look at it, it's very funny. He's walking along with little Marcy and he picks up a VHS cassette and he says, you want to watch a movie? Yeah. And she says, I'm like, sure. And so they hold it up and stare at the videotape. And then Simon says, um, the book was better. <laughs> Now, so I think good. the second reason that's funny is because it might be a joke about Cormac McCarthy's The Road, I think, maybe, which upon which this is obviously based. Right. But, um, but for some reason, that's become, that's become a real serious line around our house. We were mm. walking around downtown yesterday, and he was pointing out how many hobos there were. And there's a guy, it's a Sunday morning, um, and a guy is, is sitting uh, with all of his belongings in a chair, staring at the outside wall of a bank. <laughs> and he goes, the movie was better. <laughs> Sorry, the book the book was better. Anyway, um, I ruined the joke. So come to, uh, I'm calling it Ungainly X-Man because that's the name of this theoretical podcast I'm going to do. Ungainly X-Man uh, meetup. I ha- explaining it and to it's Corey. Double, and double N, right? Double N. Yeah. <laughs> MCO. I, I uh, had trouble explaining this to, to Corey and, and Christian who are like normal people. They're like a different kind of nerd. And they're like, so well, what will this be? I'm like, well, I, I'd come to the store and then maybe some other people would come to the store. And like, yes, but... Why would they do that? What would they do once they're here? And I'm like, well, we'll hang out and they'll meet, meet me and stuff. So I think they're skeptical that anyone's going to come, which, you know, I, I am too. But here's the thing. You, if, you, if you come out there, first of all, you guys, you can come. Oh, you know, they got a lot of those, uh, those figures. You know, those, those beautiful figures. They got a big black cat. They got a big Hulk. They got a beautiful Rorschach. You can come and see this. You can come. Here's the thing. You can come. I'm going to stop saying come in a minute. You come to this event. And, uh, and I will literally walk you over to the saga. I will walk you over to the Hawkeye. I will walk you over to the three shelves of, of, of X-Men, all of which I have touched with my fingers. Ooh-hoo. I'll take you to the Magic the Gathering cards. Will you sign? You can't flip your pig. Will you, will you be willing to sign some of these comics if, if people want to buy them? <laughs> like, would you sign them? I would happily sign anything non-organic that is put in front of me. Well, organic? I, it, it can't be a butt. I won't sign a butt unless it's a boy's butt. I will sign a boy's butt or a boy's chest. Ladies, I'm sorry. It's not going to happen. Just too weird. Um, but I'll sign anything. I don't care. I, I used to think that was kind of funny when people would do that. My friend, um, you know, Beastie Boys album, uh, Paul's Boutique, yeah. has that like, like fisheye cover. Mm-hmm. And very, 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 very tiny detail is that the fir- you see like so, a bunch of like used LPs out front, and one of them is um, Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers, their first record. So my friend Michael went to see Jonathan Richmond in the 80s and brought his copy of Paul's Boutique and had him sign it, which I thought was kind of clever. So yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've got stuff, you know, we got that weird v- Victor, Victor Wooten, Spider-Man. Now that's, that's signed by a bass player that's on the cover of a Spider-Man variant cover. Yeah, exactly. But it was not sent to us by Victor. It was sent to us by someone else. It was sent to us by uh, our friend Ira Carey Blanco. Blanco. That's right, Ira Carey Blanco. Yes, absolutely. 
And then, the, uh, you know, Dave, the X-Men artist, uh, Moises had him draw me a Jean Grey, even though it was a cover of a blank cover that he had not actually done the drawing in. It's a very small family. I love that Jean Grey. Um, so really, that's, that's all I want to say about that. And, and I'll have more about this in the future. We were going to make like flyers and stuff, but who cares? I'll have this webpage. It'll have, uh, thanks to our friends at Squarespace. Get ready. Thanks to our friends at Squarespace, it is very easy to go in and create a page where you can drag in stuff like a map. You can drag in stuff like, you know, that, that, that face where I'm looking all angry. Mm-hmm. I love drag, that one. Just drag it in, drag it in, it's a picture. And so I'll have that up by the time this goes up at MerlinM.com. What I say, MerlinM.com slash meetup. Nice. So is there anything that you'd like to tell me about that you like, comma, Dan? Well, Squarespace. This episode, in fact, is brought to you by Squarespace. It's an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own website, or in this case, one of many pages on a website. Merlin Mann is not the kind of person who wants to spend his entire day (laughs) writing HTML and CSS. I don't want to spend my day doing anything. It's tragic, really. But back in the old days, when you and I were uh, cutting our teeth, The only way to build something was to, you had to build it yourself. There was nobody out there who was more expert than you because you bought that book, the one book at Barnes and Noble, the physical Barnes and Noble that had the information. In fairness, I had the David Siegel book and I had the O'Reilly book. So I had a very well-rounded education in uh, 1995. Yeah. Can I tell you an actual story here? This is not this is not for the show. They didn't tell us to say this, but it's funny. I drafted this thing the other day. I sent it to my pal Corey over at the comic book store, Two Cats Comics, West Portal mm-hmm. Avenue. Mm-hmm. Sent it to him. I said, "What do you think of this?" It's just a quick cut at this, and uh, we're like, "You know what? We don't need to make posters." I'm like, "Fine, I'll just put up a web page, right?" So here, you know, I'm I, I used to be pretty sophisticated, like you say. I used to know how to do stuff. So in this case, now I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm in NV Alt. I type up this thing. I preview it in Marked. It looks great. I've thrown in a little bit of my own CSS. To do this, and I'm like, okay, oh, do I put this on Dropbox? Well, I'll just go put it on Dropbox. And I was like, what is wrong with you? So I go over, I literally click a button in Squarespace. I drop in all of that text in Markdown. I drag in that image. And now I just, the reason I haven't put it up is I haven't dragged in a map yet. Because yes, you can drag in a little, have you tried to embed a Google map lately? It's not easy. I think they've made it harder. It's not like a built-in thing on the maps page anymore. Mm-hmm, Nothing mm-hmm. against them. But this is the beauty of this. It's, it's, it's silly. I was more focused on the writing in this case. The writing, the excellent writing of an advertisement for a comic meetup. Um, but no, this is a terrific example of that. Where like once you, once you get over that hurdle, I sat there all morning fiddling with this. When I forgot all I have to do is go to Squarespace and type this in. It, I don't know. I don't know if you guys think that's a terrific example. I think it is. Maybe I'll jazz it up a little bit. How about if I do that? You want me to jazz up the page a little bit? I'm looking at it right now. And right, it's not up yet, is it? Well, yeah, it just says no content. Oh, all right. Well, I'll put some content I kind of like it the way it is. But. Okay, we'll make this an exercise. Go ahead and uh, keep doing the rest, and I'll see if I can get it up. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> wow. Oh. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Make sure you want to get your flashlight a little bit. I do it? want to. <laughs> Squarespace, they take care of everything, though. They take care of the hosting. They even do SEO for your pages, and they make sure that your site looks great on any device that exists. So that means pretty much any any browser, any iOS device, even the new one, Android, all of that stuff. It's going to look really, really great. And one of the things that we asked some of our listeners to do, and we'd like for them to keep doing, Oh, yeah. Is to tweet Merlin and I. I'm uh, his hot dogs ladies on Twitter, and I'm Dan Benjamin on Twitter. Tweet us the, uh, tweet us the, the sites that you've created, that you created with Squarespace, and we're, we're kind of compiling those. St- tag them with the Squarespace tag. 
That way they'll see it too. And we will mention some of those, but it was really cool. A lot of people are tweeting about this and it's so cool to see all the different things that have come in already. Uh, some, some are like simple little blogs. Other ones are company websites. Other ones have, you know, portfolios in them and galleries and images mm-hmm. and really cool things. And one thing that I keep seeing consistently across the board is how different these sites look. And yet every single one of these folks are using some of these really great templates that Squarespace has built and they're customizing them and you can totally customize them just with the sliders without doing any CSS, without doing any HTML and, and make them completely make them your own. And so when we push out this list, or if you just want to search on Twitter, you can search for like at Dan Benjamin with the Squarespace hashtag. You can see all the things that people are already submitting and it, it, it's really, really cool. Uh, so it's, it was, it's so many, it's almost overwhelming. There, yeah, are, there are so many in there. Um, I think it's our, let's check the site, see if it works now. Um, yeah, I haven't looked at all of those in the past. What's the best way to do that? Do what you say, go to Dan Benjamin and Squarespace and then you can go, go look at all yeah, those things. I'm going to see if I can put a search depending on the URL at, at Twitter. Cause they're always changing stuff. Uh, I'll put a link to that search in the, yeah, that's fine. I'll put that right in the show notes too. And you can see that for five days for, yeah, for however long they'll allow that to last. Not that I'm angry. Yeah. But that, so this is it. But I mean, there's tons of really cool sites and people keep adding them. So you'll be able to see them. And it really, really is cool. And, you know, you can do this very, very affordably. There is a special code so that when you go there, first of all, I think you get, uh, what is it, two weeks they give you for free to try it out. And once you don't have to give them a credit card or anything. And then if you decide that you want to do it, it starts at just eight bucks a month. This includes a domain name if you sign up for a year. But in order to get that that price and that discount, I mean, you can pay more if you want to more features and build it out. But uh, the code that you want to use is Howard Chicken, H O W A R D Chicken, Howard Chicken. And that's gonna come home, literally come home to roost at some point. I've heard that guy's kind of a badass. Yeah, Howard, Howard Chicken, yeah. and, and he's a wonderful artist. And I think someday he's probably gonna kill us, and we'll have it coming. <laughs> that's all right. We'll wait for it. But anyway, that's the offer code you want to use. And uh, and keep keep tweeting to to me and Merlin with the hashtag Squarespace uh, that your your sites and everything that, that you've got there, and uh, and go check it out. They integrate with all the cool services: Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest. I'm getting into Pinterest now. Isn't that for girls? Is Pinterest mm-hmm, yeah. just for girls? I don't know. I'm I'm getting into that because there's a lot of cool comic stuff on Pinterest that I'm doing. Would you like me to call you Loretta? Call whatever you want. As long as, <clears> just as long don't call as me late for Chow. <laughs> But, uh, um, but okay, go that's up. Go to MerlinM.com. That was, that's how long that took. Go to MerlinM.com. Look at that. Uh, There's the mean, the mean face. Look at this. Look at that. Look, can you believe that guy? Look, look at, at that, that guy. guy. I hate that guy. And I think I can put in this address to I'm typing cats comics. Let me see if this uh, embed thing works. At dog buns <laughs> to cats comics. I'll get it up in a minute. <clears throat> I think so. Here's what I think you should promise. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I know that everything you say by nature is a promise, but yeah, yeah. I think you should promise that anybody who wants you to sign their uh, their comic. You know, I take it back. It. I'll sign boobs and butts. I'll sign anything. I want you to know about this comic store. I interrupted you. I apologize. It's all right. Go ahead. It's your show. It's your show. No, I, I will good. sign anything. I want people to know about this store for one thing because they're really, really great guys. I'm an executive box holder there. Do you know that? I'm a, that time I'm an executive box holder. You did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Membership has its privileges. So you can go in there mm-hmm. and you can, uh, you can, you'll sign the stuff. And I actually think what they should do is they should set up one of those little displays for you where they bag and board Merlin's monthly picks. <laughs> huh? Merlin man's monthly picks. So M3P, 
Show, show Corey and Christian that you know who I am. Let's really tear this place apart. You know what I'm saying? And I will, I will, you can, you can bag me. I, you can bag me and board me. You can check me for scorpion poop. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got distracted. This I don't so think it's scorpion years. poop that I'm looking for. On me? No, you're looking for dander. Dander's, dander's the problem here. Okay, this is, not the, this is not as awesome as it will be when I'm done with it, but there, go look now, and you can see on the map, there it is. Now there's a map there. There's a map. So what? <laughs> My God, I love this site. Okay, see, now this is going to get me back <laughs> into playing with Squarespace again. Okay, that's it. Anyway, thanks. To, oh, so anyway, you go to squarespace.com, you get this big j- discount, 30% off uh, the uh, offer code uh, Howard Chicken because it's the month of eight. And so our thanks to Squarespace. Uh, or, for or 10% off, but... What'd I say? Did I say 30? Yeah. You get well. You can get more percentage off if you seventeen yeah. percent. I'm so sorry. Cut. We literally cut that out. No, I I won't. If you go for two years, I think you get you wind up with that kind of percentage. Anyway, just go there. Just go there and sign everything up. Should I start over? No, it's good. Our thanks to uh, Squarespace for supporting Five by Five and Back to Work. Oh God, this is fun. Can we stop the show while I play with this for like an hour? <laughs> it really is so fun. So there's that. I don't really have too much. I'm going to put in some markdown text above here. I'm clicking. Oh, my God. This is so easy to use. Um, that's really all I've got. Well, no, I've got other stuff, too. I had a couple ideas for topics. I sent you that. that uh, what do you want to talk about? Want to talk more about your Scorpion Finder? Mm, no. God, I kind of want one now. It's five bucks. Yeah, five bucks. And they just send it right to you. They send you it to a, you. There's no licensing or anything like no, that? No, no, no. You don't need a special. No. Hmm. Look at that, you can change the size of the map too. Oh, look at that. I can make it smaller, I can make it bigger. Hmm. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna close that window now. Okay. Um, what else did we have here? I sent you that crazy article. Mm-hmm. I, I had two ideas for oh, so my dream. Um I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I've been having more dreams. And I, I I'm not sure why this is about you, except that it involves Pennsylvania, where I think you used to live. Yeah, I did. Okay, I woke up. The only thing I can remember from the dream, do you remember the old Pennsylvania license plates, the orange ones? And what yeah. did it say? What did it say on it? It said Pennsylvania, the Keystone State, right? Yeah, uh, and it had the little in the center. I'm just trying to visualize it. It, it had, had Keystone, the, the little had keystone. keystone right in the middle of it. Yeah, the orange, the old um, orange, and the Keystone was sort of an out. It was an outline. It wasn't filled in. Yeah, it was really mm-hmm. cool looking. Nice, good use of the embossing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in mine, you imagine, imagine you saw a butcher shop where they had a big swinging wooden sign of like an iconic pig. Imagine that pig in the middle of the license plate and instead of Keystone State, it says, where they will live to have game. And I woke up and I wrote it down because that's all I remembered. Where they will live to have game. That's that, that, in, in my dream, there's a pig on the Pennsylvania license plate and it says, where they will live to have game. Uh-huh. Do you like hearing people's dreams? I do. I like analyzing. I kind of hate it. I kind of hate it. But I thought that line was kind of lively. It sounded better in my head when I was waking up. Where they would live to have game. Yeah. Now I think that that, have that you, could have be. Have you got game? No. But I uh, any disappointment that I have is with the game and not with the one who plays it. Uh huh. Um, but I think that could have two meanings. Obviously, right? I mean, it could be a game in the sense of a game, or it could be game in the sense of game. Oh. What you call way Homer? I had two ideas, um, uh, both based on things I saw in the last couple of days. You know, I, I don't like to spend too much time on this. Do you, do you want to talk about stuff? No, I like this. Uh, um, it seems like we have a really good show that people like, and and then why we do, you do read things. Why do you read things? Why do you do this to yourself? 
And then we do a show that sort of comes after it that's like you kind of know people aren't going to like it as much. Hmm. So how shall I proceed? Continue. Um, okay, so this, I'll do this the Turns Out article a second. I was listening to a Pretty Good Fresh Air today um, about, it's the, I guess they're doing like a week about late, late night TV, which means it's all pre-recorded and they're on vacation. And so um, they can't even get Dave Davies this week. So anyway, today's was really good. It was Terry Gross and David Biancooley talking about um, the history of late night TV an interview, her, you know, she had an inter. she did an interview with David Letterman in 1981 when he was like, he had just, he had lost the morning show and it was before he wow. started, uh, <laughs> late night. And so he was just a guy who'd hosted for Johnny Carson a bunch of times, but anyhow, so he was coming, th- he was coming through Philadelphia and this is when, when it, fresh air was still just a local you know, W-H-Y-Y show, I guess. And uh, she sounds really young. He sounds really young. He sounds much more like official than he does today. It was really cool. It was a good interview. But the other part of the interview, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but the other part of the interview was uh, talking about Johnny Carson and an interview from 19, uh, I think, 88 with Fred DeCordova, who was his, you will remember him. Obviously, he was Johnny's producer, but you'll remember him from The King of Comedy. Do you remember? Right, do you remember when Rupert is trying to get to Jerry? But he only gets as far, you know, obviously he gets to his producer. And of course, the character that's supposed to be Johnny Carson, played by Jerry Lewis, is his producer is, is Johnny Carson's actual producer. That, that old guy with the glasses? Yeah. That's Fred DeCordova. And he wrote a book in the uh, late 80s. He had this great quote. I, I don't know why. It's, it's kind of germane to what you're saying here. Uh, talking about having to do a show every night. And like, like everybody, I think like you, I know like Gruber. Yeah, I've heard you guys talk about this. I mean, I, I, I was kind of obsessed with Johnny Carson and David Letterman when I was a kid. Um, so Cordova says, if you do one show a year, one show every three months, or one show every four months, you have an awful lot of time to realize what a failure you've been, he said. But we do a kind of a baseball season. We do a show one night, and we hope it's wonderful. And if it's not that, we hope it's good, and we hope it isn't bad. But even if it's a great show, or even if it's not such a good show, we do another show the next night, and we have no time except in self-analysis to decide why it wasn't good or even why it was very good. It's not a good quote. It's a great quote. I love, but you know, it's a long one there, but, uh, the idea of the baseball season analogy, I really like that. You're only as kind of only as your, your season is going to be important, but you're really only as good as your last game in some ways, but you keep doing it. Even if you, even if you suck one night, you go out there the next. You have a choice if it's your job though. Well, yeah, I don't want to make it too mundane, but I, I think that's just not a bad way to think about, uh, yeah. obviously for a TV show, obviously for baseball to an extent for a podcast, but I think for whatever you do, I think that's such an interesting part of going pro with whatever you're doing, which is not to say that we're, you know, the greatest pros in the world, but with whatever you do, I think there's such a nice or weird moment where you get over, oh my gosh, what am I going to write for my third blog post? Like, what am I going to do for my second album? Like, what am I going to do for, you know what I mean? Like, if you've managed to stay alive through one project that people noticed and didn't hate, like, say you've like you made it, right? Like you've finally done one thing. Well, now you're now you're in this weird position where like you're you're now officially qualified for a grind. Mm. Like you realize you've maybe wanted to be your whole life, but now it's really there. I'm, I said this before, but you know what I'm really blown away by is people who are in Broadway shows. I, I can't imagine having to do exactly the same lines. Like like that Sigourney Weaver movie. That's you know like um oh Alien where she's uh, getting changed mm-hmm, at the end of it. Mm-mm-mm. Mm. Gotta set off that flamethrower. No, I was thinking of the one with the um with the uh with the string music in it with Ben Kingsley. Something where you've got to do a really intensely personal, awful, awkward thing. Think about doing the elephant man. Can you imagine doing the elephant man every night? Is that a dance? Mm. 
You can leave your pachyderms behind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and we can dance. <laughs> Elephant dance. That's not even funny. That's just, that's not even stupid. It's sub-stupid. I can't believe I said 30% off. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, like, I- I've been in plays. Um, you know, like, if you're in a band, you go up there and it's like, hey, it's rock and roll. You can do whatever. Or you could, like have a different guitar tone on this. You could do whatever, change the set list, all that kind of stuff. But if you're at a play, you got to just do the same thing and not screw up every night and try to be great. Like if you want to win a Tony, you can't just phone it in. Tony? Yeah. You've got to like, you've got to really, you've got to be there and inhabit that character every night over and over and over. It would suck to have to, you know, be the lighting guy every night, but that's the dream. The dream is you get to be like Ethel Merman or something and appear in a show for like years. Can you imagine? I don't know. I don't know about you, but for me, the pressure or something like that is mind-boggling. It would take a real different way of seeing the world. Why do I say that? In the same way, that, uh, it's being a baseball player. Back to Mariano Rivera or whoever. Like, being somebody who has to go up there and like, try to pitch great just over and over and over and to never let it get to you that maybe that last pitch was not as great as you'd like. Like That joke didn't go over. Like, do you shut the show down? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's a very interesting idea. That's all. Well, are, you, are you doing crosswords or something? No, I, I've stopped. Uh, it was a Scrabble uh, thing, but I just put it down. Ah, words with internet friends. Mm-hmm. Now, I feel like what you're talking about, and this is something, and it, it always, whenever I talk about, you know, whenever I talk about like Carson or Letterman, you know, I I remember an article that I read about Letterman, which goes, I think, to your point that that you're making which about going out there and doing the show, doing the show is that they would go back, they would, they would record the show and do it. And I think it was, I don't know if it was the same day or the next morning they would come in and they would watch the show from the night before and completely pick it apart and say, Oh, that sucked. That wasn't good. This wasn't good. We could do this better. And that was actually how, and to me that always sounded incredibly frustrating and depressing. But then as I've started doing these shows, I almost always try to listen back to the shows that, that I do. And it's, it's always something that, you know, listening back and hearing what you did, you're like, Oh, that was actually pretty good. You know, and these, these 10 things sucked, but these two things were really good. Let's, you know, let's do more of that. And I think it's part of this evolution, this process of, of going out there and doing something every day that, is both a challenge and both a, an opportunity for improvement. When I listen back to the shows, not this show, but all of the other shows that I used to do, and I listen back to them, I'm like, wow. Like, y- you can see how everything is, I mean, I hope, gotten better. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, everything yeah. from, from the audio quality to my comfort level in talking to different people to, you know, all of, all of these things. You, you, can, you can try to identify the things that aren't good, and then you drop them. You know, and you try to add into it more of of the good things, and you don't have that opportunity. I think if you're only doing something once every, you know, four months or once a year. Yeah, I bet you can really see that with interviewing. I feel like I notice that a lot with people who do lots of interviews, and once they've done it for a little while, they they, they much more quickly get much better at it. And you can what what you may listen to somebody who's a good interviewer today. And they seem so relaxed and so um, flexible about uh, modulating 
their approach for who they're talking to without losing their personality. You know, that's it. <laughs> it's a gift, but boy, it's a gift that benefits from a lot of repetition, you know, but you know, you, you're bringing up a really interesting, to me, a really interesting point, something I wish I were better at. Um, when you talk about Letterman and his staff going back and watching the show and tearing it apart, I mean, this is, you th- think about people who are in comedy. And, uh, as I understand it, a big part of stand-up is listening to tapes and watching tapes of your act and, and just doing exactly the same thing, completely eviscerating it, figuring out like why that didn't, at a, at a high level, like why it went well, why it didn't go well, what factors you should have noticed in the room, but also just probably the least funny thing in the world, which is dissecting your own jokes in situ and like trying to figure out like what I could do to either, should I throw that joke away or should I figure right. out how to make it better? You know, it's like, like when we would, when our, our, our band back in Florida would record, it was like, it was like doing, even though we were drinking and stuff, it was doing like eight track with an eight tracking with an ADAT. You know, this is for pro tools and after analog. So it's kind of the worst of both worlds. And like, it was, it was like doing dental surgery. It was, and you just do it over and over. You go back, you rewind, you do it over. And you go, oh, in the studio, blah, blah, blah. And even though it was fun and we wouldn't have traded it for the world, it, it still was very unsexy and very unrock and roll to sit there and hit bad notes and then try to keep doing it until it wasn't as bad. And I, I think that's an interesting thread, especially in creative work. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, there's certainly this one, there's this one part like our show, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure we could sit here and dissect it and focus group it into something better. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the best part of this relation of the show when it works is our relationship, hopefully. But I mean, I think if you were, for example, going to watch your, how your defense did on Sunday, right? But you've got to sit there and you can't just sit there and like look at the good parts. Right. (laughs) And you're kind of not allowed to get your feelings hurt when somebody who's a colleague says, well, Right there, your foot was in the wrong place mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you didn't follow the play right. Um, and I think for any kind of ensemble thing in particular, and that could be a startup, uh, it could be football, it could be David Letterman. It's interesting to me that like to do something creative, you have to divorce your ego from the process a little bit. So yeah, it definitely, it definitely has elements of like, well, we're going to do this over and over. So, you know, what we, so in the case of Letterman, I hope what we have come out of this is consistently funnier tomorrow than it is today that would be a good goal is if this show got better and better you know yeah we want the process to be fun yeah we're gonna sit here and eat takeout or whatever but really it's about improving the a a comedic product a a comedy product it's not about having a funny backstage experience and yeah we want this to sound very rock and roll when you buy this cassette or cd even if the process of making it doesn't seem very rock and roll you know so I, i don't know if i'm getting too far off topic but i think in terms of that improvement it helps to remember that a lot of the process of getting better is the, the, in order to produce something that is creative and even egotistical that like has you as the center of the product in order for that to be good, you actually have to have a weird amount of distance from the work that you're doing mm. in order to be a good writer. You have to kind of also be a good editor or be open to the, what, no, you don't kind of have to, you have to be a good editor. You have to take time away from what you've written and be able to look at it with a steely eye. Right. I mean, it's what separates, you know, somebody like Stephen King from somebody who's, you know, written two themes in 10th grade and decides to buy a beret, you know, I don't know. I'm interested in that. Cause I, I, I am, uh, historically, I feel like I have historically been pretty sensitive about, an, about taking notes on things like that. Like what? Give me an example. Well, if I were, like okay, not, so I'm yeah. funny. I'm funny, right? Like I'm a funny guy. Funny guy. Um, yeah. So I'm funny guy. Oh, I want to go get a job in comedy. Okay. Thinking, I'm going to go in there and it's going to be like the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> that we're going to sit around 
and we're going to talk about pickles, and uh, Sally's going to have the bow in her hair, and it's going to be wacky good fun, and we'll play pranks on each other. And and talking to my friends who do comedy shows, it's pretty hard work yeah. and really long hours, and you pitch jokes, like like on Saturday Night Live and stuff, like you pitch jokes, and people don't sit around and like slap their knees. They go, that's funny, or that's good, or that's bad. Let's move on. Mama, you know, ton, raw tonnage. Give me dozens and dozens and dozens of jokes. Yeah, like I've I'll often try to seen find the premise. Like the funniest people, the people who are really funny, they rarely laugh at anything. You know, because <laughs> yeah. like I've heard, I've seen this and I've heard this and I've, 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 I've heard, always heard stories about that, that like for them, even though it's, even though they're finding the humor in it, they pro- they're processing it in a different way. The way that I, I like your football, because I know you're big, a big Eagles fan like me, you know, I'm a when, baller. you know, like I, I watch football and I, I get into it and I enjoy it, but I'm not sitting there like analyzing the play. Oh, they should have that, you know, like that's not how I work. But like, if you're a coach, I would think, or a retired coach, like, let's say you're like a retired coach and you're like, you're watching the, you know, you're watching a football game. You're going to see something that's completely different. And I, I don't know that there would be a lot of these you know, pro football analysts that are jumping out of their chairs and smashing their bag of chips and, you know, throwing their, their uh, can of Budweiser against the TV screen when their team isn't doing well. These are, these are completely different things that are going on. And I, I almost, I feel like that you're getting it uh, some aspect of that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Two baseball movies I watched in the last couple of weeks, um, eight men out and Moneyball, And I both, I mean, obviously fictionalized, um, a lot of facts get moved around, but in both cases, it's an interesting study in a manager dealing with a team where something they're used to having control over is out of their control. In the case of eight men out, what's out of his control is that he doesn't realize at first that a bunch of his guys have been throwing games. Um, and in the case of money, money ball, um, the manager doesn't, I mean, he's not, he's not on board. Mm-hmm. with what Billy Bean and uh, Jonah Hill are doing, you know, playing the numbers on these things. And so he's working at completely cross purposes. The whole reason they built this team this certain way was because of this really, it's like an, the Atkins diet of statistics. Like you've got to hew to this. Have you seen the movie or read the book? No. So money, the idea of Moneyball is that the Yankees in particular, like people started referring to the A's basically as the Yankees farm team. And it was infuriating because they would go in there and, you know, breed talent like Jason Giambi and, um, uh, not Posada, but, um, it's Johnny K- Damon, Quesada, Quesada, mm-hmm. Quesadilla and Johnny Damon. And suddenly these guys were all going to these East coast teams. And so long story short, Billy Bean, the general manager brought in this guy with a background in statistics. These, these guys, apparently Jonah Hill was a, was a composite. Um, so this so Br- uh, Brad Pitt's in this. Yeah, he's handsome. Oh, oh he's yeah. so handsome. Oh, oh, come on, duh. John Hill's John Hill's great, great. And um, really, I thought it was a really good movie. His book's supposed to be fantastic. Long story short, you know the 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 Jonah, Jonah Hill character who's a composite, um, very smart guy who knows statistics and baseball. But basically, he understands that like you know you're going to have to spend money better. You don't have the budget to do what the Yankees do and just throw money at the wall. Like you're going to have to figure out how to find the most undervalued players in the major leagues in the minors, in the farm teams, like you're going to have to go and find out of these like 15,000 baseball players, something like that. You're going to have to go find these people that would make the team that you need. So it isn't like you're going to go, Oh, let's go find the unfound Jason Giambi. Like that would be hard enough, but we have to find the people. Three of these guys make a Jason Giambi. How do we do that? 
So in other words, their basic strategy, I'm sorry, I'm just repeating what the movie's about, but it's, it's pretty interesting. It, it, it seems like it will work. As long as they get more and more people who don't cost that much in salary and get on base a lot, they'll, they'll win more games, which goes, is completely antithetical to this room full of 15 guys sitting around going, wait a minute, no, this guy's a five tool player. He's got this, he's got that. He can da 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 da. I'm not saying this as right or wrong. It's a very turns out kind of book. But at the same time, the, the, the thrust of it is that, uh, what's his name? The art, art, not art bell. That's the UFO guy. Yeah. Art, how <laughs> art, art, what's his name? Uh, played by, uh, PSH. Um, Really good. Philip Seymour Hoffman's really good in this. Um, anyway, but the, the manager of the team out on the field, he wants to keep playing the way he's always played. Mm-hmm. He wants to run the team the way he wants to run. The talent that they're bringing in, I mean, they're, they're scaring off the first baseman that's like a really good player. They're, uh, they're trading people away to bring in these, these unknown quantities. <sighs> Boy, that's a really long way to put this. The person who hired the people in that case are not the people who have to manage them. And that causes tension within the culture, right? And in some ways, that's what happened at Eight Men Out, too, right? I mean, he can't, he can't run an effective baseball team if seven or eight of the guys are on the take with the mob. Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the lesson. The lesson that's that's, what you, that's the takeaway, as they say. The takeaway, as you say, is maybe you should tell me about something you like. I'll try to regroup. <clears throat> it is Shutterstock.com. See how I'm, I'm ready? I'm ready this time. Johnny on the spot. Johnny, come lately. Billy Bean. Shutterstock, where you will find over 20 million stock photos, vectors, illustrations, and video clips. I love this site. And I'm spending more and more time just looking around at what this site has for inspiration. We're working on a, a, a website here I can't talk about that we're going to be doing a lot with imagery. and they have, But they have so much stuff here. And they're adding images every day. And that's the thing that I think keeps it really fresh is that you can go and do a search on Monday and then do a search the next Monday. You're going to find way more images just in the week that goes across you know, that goes by because they work with independent people all over the world, adding and uploading images. And it, it really is great. Like, like we say, like Merlin likes to say, they don't nickel and dime you. Uh, no, because they the, won't, they, they, they won't even try. You get the high resolution images. When you buy an image, you get all of the versions, all of the sizes of that image. They're not going to say, oh, well, you, you don't get like the HD version of it. You don't get the retina version. You get them all. And they have license packs that work for everybody. So if you're working on a project and you know you have lots of distribution, you're going to be printing it out, you're making a book, you're putting it in your iOS app, they're going to have a plan that's going to work for you. All these vectors and icons that they have are really, really cool. And you can really differentiate your site or your project by going with something that they offer because there's so much of it, it's not going to look like every single other app or every single other website. Uh, it's really cool. Now, for some reason, they have these account reps that they can dedicate to. They'll answer any questions, and they have 24-hour support during the week. I, I'm not really sure you're going to need this because the site works so well, and the iPad app works so well. And it, it's just a really, really fun, great experience. We talk about the light boxes. We talk about the way you can share stuff. It's just really, really cool. And, uh, and I would love for you guys to go and check it out. You don't need to give them a credit card or anything to create an account over there at Shutterstock.com. And when you do find the images that you like and you want to buy them, make, you know, I would say get put together a big, a big package. She's going to get 25% off anything that you put together when you use the code back to work eight, the number eight, back to work eight. Thank you very much to shutterstock.com for supporting five by five and back to work. Great service. Great sponsor. Having a lot of fun with them. Mm -hmm. Those light boxes are a riot. A regular laugh riot. Regular laugh riot. Um, 
Hmm. 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 I like the baseball analogy. Can you imagine you how frustrating be- that would be if your, if your team was uh, been purchased by the mob? What if that was happening in your life right now? How, how would you know? Would you know if everybody in your life was on the take? Every, like everyone you know except you? I would say you've done something wrong. I don't think Buck Weaver did it. You think Buck Rogers? Love that. Uh, Twiggy? John Kuzak. He said Kuzak. Okay. We could talk more. We could talk more about Remember that, uh, that time when he held up the big, uh, the big boom box and it was like yeah. outside her window and he's like playing the music? Yeah. I do remember that. That was a Peter Gabriel song. That was a long time ago, Dan. Really? That's a terrific movie. That is a really, really good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got that, uh, what's the name? Oh, here you go. Turns out, uh, John Mahoney, right? Plays Diane Court's father. Also, the manager in Eight Men Out. Have you watched Eight Men Out lately? It's really very good. No, I haven't. I've never seen it. Really? Eight. Oh, it's a John Sayles movie from 1988 about the Black Sox. Eight Men and Out? Yeah, yeah. And it's about, it's about um, uh, throwing the World Series in 1919. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got John Cusack, John Sayles. Oh, this is the one Studs Terkel. where the, the women are all playing baseball. And it's like a big deal because they're all all like women, but they're actually pretty good. And Tom Hanks is like kind of washed up. And mm-hmm. He cleans up. It's got the got the volleyball with the face on it. Oh yeah, and it's floating out, and he's like Uncle Owen and Peru, and it's then it's Stella. gone in the tides. Just as a lady. Box That's a Dustin. Uh, you're thinking of Dustin Hoffman or Robin Williams? I forget which. <sighs> Could they make that movie today? Do you think? Which one, Rain Man or uh, Eight Men Out? No, uh, the one with Mork in it. Oh, sure. You mean the, uh, what's it called? The Holiday Hotel, the Hotel New Hampshire? Is that right. what it's called? Where he sets his boobs on fire. <laughs> <laughs> they can think of a Tootsie. Yeah, Tootsie. Tootsie. Okay. And, and what's the one with the guy from the Hudsucker Proxy? Plays the, the guy with the crush on Tootsie. Oh, uh, nine to five, where they tie Brian, up the Brian, boss Brian at the Dennehy? end. Brian mm-hmm. Dennehy? Mm-hmm. Or is that Wilford Brimley? Wilford Brimley is the guy from the post office in Seinfeld. Right, where he's there and he's like talking to Tom Cruise, and Tom Cruise runs all through the, the whole city. Nobody right. runs then, like Tom Cruise. And then he's in the thing. Then he's in the thing with uh, with Kurt Russell, who was also the world's greatest athlete. Right, where film. they put the different eyes in him. Different eyes, no spoilers. It's a good movie. So John Carpenter, John Carpenter's the one that did Halloween uh, one and two. And uh, didn't he do? Good, did he good, do good, the good, Fly? Good. With Jeff Goldblum, Gina Davis, nineteen eighty six epic. Ooh, that'd be a David Cronenberg. Did Cronenberg, that. thank You're you. Thinking of him from the movie Videodrome with uh, Debbie Harry from Blondie. Is that the one where the guys have the mental powers and at the end they blow they blow each other's heads up? Scanners. That's right. Muni on the bounty. Oh. <laughs> Crimson Tide. Where they will live to have game. <laughs> It's good. It would make that would make a good T-shirt. <laughs> Chris Glass could make a really good T-shirt that says "Where they will live to have game." <sighs> you know, we could just do a shorty today. There's no reason this. Says, there's no reason that this has to be a, a, a long show. No, we can I'm just saying. End it now. Yeah. Well, we could also talk about that. Uh, that that turns out uh, laziness article. Did you look at that article? I sent you a couple quotes from that article. Yeah, this is really interesting, and a lot of it. Uh, wait, you're talking about the email one or the other one? Yeah, yeah. It's called In Praise of Laziness. Hold on, let me pull this up. The one that says that uh, <laughs> most people spend 25% of their day on email. That seems insane. It but, does. But I wonder, see, here's what I want is I want to go back and now we use email many times in place of phone calls, for example. 
And most of the people that I know don't use the phone as their primary form of communication for doing work anymore. But it was not that long ago that everybody had a desk on their phone, a desk on their phone. Wow. Wow. Merlin. What happened to me there? A phone on there. Gosh. You do a lot of shows, Dan. You got a lot of scorpion poop in your house. It could be off gassing going into your soffit or your fascia, your flotsam, your jetsam. You got pellets. You got fascia. You got uh, plantar fasciitis. (laughs) I think it's in in our, the parlance of our time. It's called plantar sport. Sky Mall has a sock for it. Um, but you know, you know they're not making calls. How long? How long ago was it where people were just sitting in, like, oh, well, let's call, and you'd call voicemail. somebody, yeah. and you'd While leave them the a call, voicemail. You get three voicemails. <laughs> well, okay. Um, I, I know I'm, I'm supposed to nominally be the inbox zero guy who who hates email, but you know, I think I think we've been at this stuff long enough that we have to be a little bit more subtle about what, what we're talking about. You know, like I say, uh, I said a few episodes ago, you know, like calling something the internet doesn't really make sense anymore because mm-hmm. it's a medium that contains multitudes. There are so many things inside of what we call internet. So, I mean, it's saying that email, you spend 25% of your day with email, which I have to say still for, for in my head with how I would want to spend my day seems a little, um, batty, but it would be a little bit like saying, um, Recent research reveals that over 75% of the average knowledge workers working week is spent in an office, in an office. <laughs> and so you could read that a bunch of ways. You go, okay, well, does that mean that they are taking their work home with them? Does that mean being in an office is bad? Well, when you say that you're spending 25% of your day in email, well, you know, if you're spending 80% of your day in email and it's helping you produce things that you really like, then why, there's no complaint, right? The, 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 the uh, you know, to me, the more salient thing is like, are you spending all that time in email because you're playing defense all day and you're having to deal with um, a, a lot of stuff that you don't really have any control over in terms of your attention? Can, can I mention a quick side note related to this? Yeah. I, I think it's, you know, well, I think for years, uh, people, including me, have said, well, you know, email can be a distraction. You know, and, and we always think of email as being something that distracts us from something else. So like, we have this notional pile of interesting creative work on our desk, and then email takes us away from that. But you know, the, the more I think about it, like, I feel like I could deal with email as a distraction. I could just not check my email for three days or whatever, like whatever. But the thing is, when I do that, it's like... You I'm, not I'm, check your email? I'm oh. Over, I'm over the hump. <laughs> I have a lot of notifications, Dan. I know when you... I know immediately when you sent me a black cat picture. I get it immediately. Okay, so I, so let me ask let me ask you something. I, this is going to totally derail you for a second. But putting, a pin, is, putting a pin in distraction. Come back to that. Go. Oh yeah, put it in there. Uh, is it? I'm at the point now where I I'm there's so many emails, but I still want to get like somehow like emails. Like I would. Is it worth creating a secret email account? that people like only certain people would ever have. And maybe that's the only one that I put on my phone or something. And like, like that way I just check that one and anything that comes into that one, I know is important. And I only give it out to like really, really critical, important things or people. And, you know, and, and that way I know instead of setting up all the different notifications and stuff, which I, I think it sounds like a lot of work. I mean, is that mm-hmm. crazy? Is that stupid, or is the notification thing the, the way to go? I'm just—I know this is derailing your your whole point. No, I I think that's it's not going to be a long term solution. Uh, which is not to say there can be a long term solution, but um, like the thing is, who would be 
potentially using that, that, I mean, part of that is when you like to be able to have conversations with four people where you just, you don't have, you know that you can go there and it's almost like a glass board Mm -hmm. except with email. That's one way I would think of it is like, I know this is a place I can go. That's all only going to be 100% high quality content, but all it takes is one person dropping something in the two line and all of a sudden, you know, you kind of almost have to treat your email address as like a public thing, no matter what. I mean, the, the, the thing that's coming to top of mind right now is my, uh, my kid's wonderful teacher um, just sends a message with 34 addresses in the oh, two line. Yeah. And mine, mine's in there now. Nice. And that's just I love that. the thing Full is, exposure that, to everyone. It's called being open. Open always wins. I call it trans- transparency, open source. But, you know, and the thing is, I, I've gone through this before, especially in school situations. Where First of all, I mean, how great is it? This, this, this person who's teaching my child is sending out like three things a day. Like, here's what happened in school today. Oh, my God, that is so awesome. That is really cool. I, I'd prefer that to be on a list that I could kind of monitor instead of, <laughs> you know what I mean? But th- that's one instance of that where like, well, that is important. And that is people. But it's also really noisy. And also now my email address is out there with all these people. Oh, boohoo. Like, you know, what are you, Mr. 1996? Like, you know, get with it. That's how life is now. Um, I, that, that, that's the kind of thing, though. Your super private little uh, bachelor email alcove could be exposed a lot more quickly than you think. Mm-hmm. I don't love, let me just say, I don't love all of the notification tricks that I do. I would be happy to talk about some of the things I've done because um, it has helped a lot. Uh, I don't love having to do it, but it has helped me so much. Um, I would be happy to talk about that. And I do think it's worth it. I really do. I think it's the only man, it's the only sane way to deal with email for me today. I mean, I've gone from thinking more of like, cause even the basic problem with the problem with the basic inbox zero workflow, as I have envisioned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I still think if, in, unless you've got something better, it's a good way to go. If you've got to be looking at email four or five times a day, you could do a lot worse than employing inbox zero, mm-hmm. which is just to say you process, you know, everything, every time you look at email and you definitely never get to the end of the day. I can't do that anymore. It's just, I, cause the problem with inbox zero is even though you're not presupposing that everything in there is useful, you're presupposing that everything in there needs a decision. And this kind of gets back to a point from like, like 10 minutes ago, but like, I don't know. I don't even have the cycles to sit there and process everything that, that might be good. I don't, maybe I should, you know, maybe that's something I should get back into, but I, I, I currently don't. And it, whether I'm a good person or not, and whether I'm great at that or not, it, it is doing for me now what email used to do up until inbox zero, which is it's allowing me to lose stuff in the lights. Mm. And I don't like that. And so instead of, you know, I've got some fairly Byzantine things involving content. Google, uh, Gmail helps a lot with that. But I've got a couple different filtering things that I've done that says basically these people will always be very important um, until I say they're not. So let's make sure that I don't miss anything from them. Now I could stand a little bit of noise, right? I could stand a little bit of back and forth, you know, with you and me, you know, shucking and jiving. Mm -hmm. I can stand that. I can't stand that for 50 people. I certainly can't stand that for an infinite number of people. Yeah. Because back to first principles with Inbox Zero, um, you have no control over anybody else in the entire universe. Just They're just knowing or having access to your email address. Is that enough for you to then have to deal with everything that they send you as if it's as important as something from your partner or your kid's teacher? 
Because if you can say that, and, and like you're trying to sound all high and mighty, and go, well, of course it's all important. Mm. Well, okay, well then you're probably not making a lot of super cool stuff. Because there's no way that you can deal with that volume of stuff. And you cannot sincerely respond to all of those emails. You cannot sincerely do something meaningful with all of that. And if you do, congratulations. Now there's tons of other stuff you're not doing. And I just, I feel like I have to just live with the fact that I can't even deal with all the email from people that I'd like. I don't even get that much email. But, you know, we each have our own tolerance for this stuff at a given time. And right now I just, I, I end up just letting a lot of stuff go. But I'm um, kind of really all over the map here. Um, so let me close a couple parentheses right. here. For, first of all, like, I, it's I, this article that we mentioned is in show notes. I think it's definitely worth reading because there's some very interesting stuff in there. Like I say, I have not read the abstracts for any of these quote-unquote studies that they've uh, cited, but it really, it sounds like everything I've heard everybody say, and it sounds like everything I've felt, which is that, what was that one thing I sent you? That since 1979, the average person is working eight eight more hours every week? Mm-hmm. Remember that? And in the future, the creative class, in the future, we're all going to just sit around and, you know, uh, Rosie the Robot is going to put our slippers on. <laughs> yeah, and that'd be nice. Mr. Mr. Spacey will show up on the screen and give you a raise or whatever. Um that's not how it is. It's all of that stuff. It's more and more getting shunted off into individual people. Individual people who rarely have the courage to say, this is too much. I can't do this well. You've given me too much stuff here. It's time for me to tell you that I can't do all of this. You three or four different people who all have a way to get to me and demand things of me, and I have not accepted enough power to say, I can't do this well. Well, now there's four of you, and you're not talking to each other, and that's not tenable. Well, you know, most people can't do that. And so they're really sad and they don't sleep. And, and I think that's a terrible way to be living um, through what should be such an advanced time. Mm. You know, I'm, imagine that. Imagine like talking to my grandfather, the guy who shut off people's electricity for a living. Imagine talking to him in the 40s and saying, you know, you're going to work an extra eight hours a, a, a week and you're going to get two people who are kind of your boss, but not really. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be all this stuff that we're just going to assume you're going to get done, even though it's not on your job description. And he would have drank even more. Yeah, right. I mean, things were very clearly defined back then. Yeah, I, I'm doing a, a talk this week and I've been working on some slides updating the old time and attention talk. And one of my favorite slides is describing like what the um, you know chain of command at a company looks like. And like today, you just have all these dotted lines going everywhere. There's all these people, you may have a boss you don't even know about today, right? You might find out tomorrow, you might find out next week, but you may be disappointing. You're probably, full stop, you're probably disappointing more people than you realize every day mm-hmm. right now. And you don't even have any way to find out who those people are. There are people all over the place that may not know what you're doing. There are other people who are making evaluations of what you're doing, even though they think they've communicated something clearly and you have not. My grandfather had a boss who he reported to and then a bunch of people whose electricity he turned off. (laughs) That's what he did all day. That was the structure for for how he worked. I wouldn't want that job in a million years, even though it was great and had benefits. Mm -hmm. and Got to to retire to Clearwater. Nothing wrong with that. But um, just to close close that parenthesis, I think think you can get a little bit... um, unsubtle one can when you start talking just in terms of like how many meetings people go to. Well, shoot, man, if, if every one of those meetings gets you venture capital money, that was a good meeting. If every one of those meeting meetings ends with, or most of those meetings end with you like not being sure what the actionable work is, uh, running long, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all those classic meeting problems, and that's not as good. But we can't just blame the medium. You know, in the, in the case of email, I can, I, can, I can definitely speak for myself, so that's one set of closed parentheses. Um, so check that article out. It's really good. Um, from, from, for, I mean, I think we each have to decide our own comfort level or in my parlance, like how much you can tolerate. 
how much you know of the unknown, the undefined, and the incomplete can you tolerate? And that's not a one-time decision that you make every ten years or so. You know, you go, you don't just like walk with wolves on every in every election year and then decide how to comport yourself. You got to wake up every day and make those decisions. There's days where you're not going to have a chance to look at email. Uh, there's, there's, you, you better have days like that. <laughs> if you have days where you have, if you have to look at email every day, like no matter what happens ever, ever, like really think about that because gosh, shouldn't there be stuff happening to you? That's either important or timely or you got even emergencies. Yeah. They said, what was the percentage in that article? Something like, was it 60% of people look at email while they're eating dinner at home, like work email? I don't know. Um, maybe one good way to, I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot. I like it. Um, I like when you I read can, from the, the cards. It's all uh, right here. <laughs> Let's play this game. Can you guess what this is? Can you guess what this is? It's two different spider women. Oh, so really? Because I was going to see that's weird because I was going to say two different dark phoenixes. Oh, they're over in the special drawer. <laughs> one goes east, one goes west. Yeah. So, so what? I, I this is uh, I, at the risk of uh, revealing my ancient Chinese secrets. I would be happy to tell you a couple of things that I think we've covered some of this before, but I would be happy to share this with you. And uh, and I'll, I'll tell you why I do these things. Could we? You want to talk a little bit about filtering? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. So I use Gmail, which I <laughs> have concerns about uh, every day or two. But I use Gmail. It's got a lot of great stuff in it. I mean, one. Well, let's, let's let's start with really high level stuff. You know, I, I'm not going to take you down the whole road of inbox zero, but I think it's been useful for me to accept that I don't have any control over what ends up in my inbox. It's also been useful for me to understand that an inbox is a place for dealing with stuff that you haven't made a decision about yet. Now, if it's stuff you you, you don't have time to make a decision about yet, I would stay still. St- I would say still put that someplace besides your inbox. Mm-hmm. You know, in old school uh, Merlin as Doctor Phil terms, like you don't store your bills in the mailbox before you pay them. Like, why would you have your email sit around in your inbox? So, I mean, a couple of good practices, um, even before you're ready to like go turn into a total email monk is to start realizing that an inbox is a kind of DMZ. Um, And so the stuff that sits in there after you've read it will accumulate um, in your psyche. Like the more stuff that you have in there that you have not made a complete decision about, that's going to really add up. And once you have enough stuff in there that it's past one page of stuff, once you have to start paging through stuff that you haven't made a decision about, you start to realize how crazy that can be. So that's just a general principle. I'm not great at it again, but like just starring things and bolding things and putting things in an important folder are not going to be super useful unless you do do something about them in be a timely manner. Um, and that's why I do something. Here's hack number one. I, I hate this, but I do this. A lot of times, if I feel like I'm going dead to stuff that I should be dealing with, I'll go to, I have some saved searches that I use text expander to fill in and I'll say, go find everything in my inbox from before thus and such date. So I'll say, find everything in my inbox from before 30 days ago and I'll just archive it. (laughs) So crazy. But like, am I going to do that in a year? Like when am I going to go and deal with that email from six months ago? So I can either not deal with it and feel bad about it or I can not deal with it and I can move on or I can deal with it. In which case, everything that's happening in the meantime has to be looked over. Anybody who's ever gone on vacation and come back and seen that big pile of email that is mostly not that useful will appreciate this. You have no problem coming back from vacation going like, wow, most 60% of the stuff that I've gotten in the last two weeks is already either dead or resolved or immaterial Mm -hmm. 
archive, 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 archive. So that's one thing I'll do. I mean, I used to call what I call it the email DMZ. Just grab everything in your inbox and th- either archive it or throw it into a folder that you're going to come back to if you think you'll come back to it. But, you know, start sucking less today and you'll have fewer days where you suck. If you keep waiting for the day that you're perfect to stop sucking, you're never going to stop sucking. So then, I, I mean, accepting all of that, accepting that the inbox is something I don't have control over, accepting the fact that anybody can expect anything of me. I don't get a vote in what people expect of me. Hmm. If somebody calls me up and says, you know, my grandpa has entitulitis and wants you to fly here tomorrow and sing in a benefit concert, like, um, ooh, uh, what? I, I, this is the first I'm hearing about it. We want you to come. We want you to come here to the East Coast for $7 and to pay your own expenses. It's a good cause. It helps for charity. It's good exposure. Well, I mean, should I answer that? Should I explain why that's not doable for me? Just all the stuff. I can't tell you how many times I have unsubscribed from every social media mm. service. I, I, with the exception of a few MailChimp lists, some personal lists, and back in the days of listserv, I can't tell you a time that I intentionally signed up to receive email notifications about anything in the last 10 years. Yeah. I've never deliberately, I've never gone through the checkout process for anything that I haven't scanned the page for. Yes, I read the terms that I didn't actually read. And no, I don't want to be on any of these lists. If a day comes and I want to know more, I'll go to your blog. I'll figure it out. It's okay. And yet, that's noise. That stuff. That goes in there. That slides in. Um, so I feel like you do have to play defense on this, and yeah. I would be happy to tell you what I do. Please. Um, I think... Um, I'm going to try to say this in a way where you won't get a bunch of email. Um, you've probably got a lot of email in your inbox right now. And I know, I know, we both know in both of our hearts, we know in all of our hearts that you're definitely going to respond to every email in your inbox. But just for the sake of argument. Right. Just, the- just pretend. Literally, Blue Sky Solutioneering. Grab all of the email in your inbox and create a new folder called Email DMC. Throw it in there. And just to humor me, mark it all as read. You're going to go back later this afternoon and do all 700 emails. So don't worry. Just mark it as unread. And then really ride that thing. Like when you start getting email, like starting from that that zero, like really look at each one. If something made it into your inbox, and you know what? I'm going to speak in terms of Gmail because they've added some nice features that are worth knowing about. If something's in your primary inbox and it shouldn't be in there. Ask yourself why it's there. So let's start out with junk. If there's something like if, if, if you need to know every time somebody follows you on Twitter, God bless you, that's great. Make sure that keeps coming in because you're going to want to do something about each of those. Um, in my case, every time I see an unsubscribe link, I click it. Um, any, you know, I actually have a filter where that automatically creates a label, has a label that is automatically added to anything that has unsubscribe in the, um, it's a little more sophisticated than that, but basically I can at any time go to every email that has unsubscribe appear on the page and I can go through and if I'm feeling big hearted, I'll go and manually click on subscribe. If it's companies I know, honestly, I'll sometimes just tick off the whole thing and say report as spam, mm-hmm. which I don't think necessarily like black balls them, but it does, it is a nuclear option mm-hmm. that mostly works for me, but start doing that one at a time. You're not going to believe how much stuff sneaks in that becomes something maybe useful, blah, 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 something, something, blah, 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 all that blah, 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 boy, wouldn't it be great if, if no, if you could do no other thing, wouldn't it be great to know that 90% of what's in your inbox is probably something halfway decent. That's filtering. That would doing. be exciting. Did you feel bad about spam filters in 2002? Did that really make you bust a gut and go to confession <laughs> because you weren't reading all that right. stuff? So I would say start by, by, by first really noticing all that kinds of stuff. And you might go into, what I would do also is go into Gmail's all mail area and look at what's in there. 
and you'll notice a couple things. First of all, you'll notice a bunch of stuff that you might have missed. And in that case, I will go through sometimes and say Mark's stuff is important, <clears throat> which tells Gmail to start, start giving stuff from this person, people you respond to more often, uh, people you get a lot of email from, then you respond to um, stuff that has important kinds of words. Go in in your important inbox. Well, go into all, all mail, first of all. Make sure there's nothing important you're missing and nothing, not huge volumes of stuff that are dumb that you're getting. And I, I, why do I say this? Because suddenly out of nowhere, all of a sudden I'm back. I don't have a LinkedIn profile anymore, I don't think. I, I haven't gone there in years. I don't have a Facebook account. I still get things for Facebook. I still get things for LinkedIn. And each time I get it, I, I bounce it. I basically I go and I you know, hit, the, uh, hit the, the market spam thing. I delete it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that sounds pyrrhic, but like when you start doing that, first of all, it shows that you're taking it seriously. You're not putting compost in your CRISPR. You're saying that only good stuff is allowed to live in here. And as you, I'll keep this, try to keep this short. As you start doing that more, you're going to notice things you can filter. You're going to start noticing things like, for example, like I want to know when I receive money from PayPal, but I don't necessarily want to see every receipt that I get. Well, you can write stuff that will, um, you can, you know, write little uh, filters that will do that. That will say if it's from PayPal and it's, and it's a receipt, Market is read and archive it. If it's something where you received a payment and so on and so forth, you can create an if this and that rule that I love. That will I have this uh, stolen from somebody else? But anything that's got a certain combination of delivery, delivery status, that kind of stuff in the subject line, automatically forwards that to June Cloud's delivery app. So anytime that I get a delivery thing, it sends it to my delivery tracking app. But I don't need to see it in my email program. It marks it as read and archives it. Now, not a big deal, right? But that's kind of two cool things in one. You know, number two, it gets it out of my way. But number one, it puts it somewhere that it is actually useful, which is in the one app that I want to check to see if something arrived. Right. I don't know. I think email as notification is a pretty crummy idea. Putting that into someplace else. And so then, again, with this and that, you can do this. Um, but, you know, give yourself a break to start over and start taking it more seriously. And yeah, take it more seriously in terms of the stuff that arrives, but take it seriously in terms of getting really, turning into a, a real ninja about noticing whether something should have been in your inbox in the first place. And again, now with the promotions, updates, forums, I was skeptical at first, but those tabs in Gmail, I have actually found kind of useful. Do, do you like them, Dan? You know, this is the first time is actually that you mentioned this. It's over, been over the last week where I've been starting to use this stuff and the way that they've been grouping it. Because you, you use mail.app mainly, right? I do, I do. But now, well, this, I'm going to open up a can of worms here. But now that I've been doing a lot with Android, I'm using the Gmail app on Android, which is very similar, but I think a lot better than the Gmail interface. So I'm starting to benefit from the different kinds of inboxes and the way they pull the promotions out and all of this other stuff. It actually works really well. I like that. If you're a Gmail user, man, the Gmail app on iOS, I like a lot better than the mail.app. Yeah. Than the mail app on iOS, personally. The Gmail app is is has those tabs in it. It's and it's very easy to use. I found it's. I, I just I don't know. It's a web app, but I mm-hmm. find it easier to. No, it's not. It, it's got to be an iOS app. No, but it's, I, I think it, much, it is iOS. I find it much easier to use personally. But if you're going at it through either one of Gmail's apps or the web, you get these tabs now where it guesses where stuff should go. So and it's actually driving a, a lot of email marketers crazy for good reason because right. now stuff is getting automatically put into these little silos where it used to go in your inbox. But now it'll automatically say, okay, these are. So social media things like, oh, somebody faved your star thumb on, you know, FaceJack. And, uh, or it could be, you know, again, forum stuff. So the email from my kid's teacher, it would be great if I could just make that into a, a mailing list, but I'll just put that into uh, forums, fora, if you like. <laughs> 
But okay, and then quickly, can I just? I know we're low on time. Can I tell you a couple more quickies? Yeah, I've mentioned please, these before, please, please. but but okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say a couple things I really, really, really like. These guys should give me money. It drives me crazy that they don't give me money. Yeah. But a, a wayfind. Um, I I kind of can't imagine doing email without a wayfind at this point. The way a wayfind works, you sign up for this account. I think it's based on you get so many credits for notifications, or it's it's a little screwy. But basically, it, it's a. I think there's a free version, but it, it's not costly to use. Long story short, you go in and either through their web app, which you you know you can go in with your uh, Gmail creds. Uh, you, this works on iOS that I know of. It works on the web. You go in and you say, for example, let's start out with this. I'm going to put in the names, kind of a la the VIP functionality in the mail app. I'm going to go in and say these are domains or email addresses where I never. I want you to always notify me via push update when I get email from these people. So anything from 5x5.tv, um, let me know. Let me know. Give me a ping on that. That's fine. I, obviously, but it's not obvious. I have all other notifications for everything turned off. Um, so send me that. Um, another one. Uh, these are things you would do just in the app. Something I love. Uh, people, I drive people a little bit crazy because I kind of, I really do live by my calendar uh, in terms of like saying, okay, if we're going to do it on this date, let's do it on this date. I put that, I send that person the Gmail invite, which is good because they now know about it. They don't have to respond to it, but I've sent it. But that's really for me. It's not for them. Why is it for me? Because once someone's email address is associated with a Google Calendar event, it enables you to have a Wayfind monitor that such that if you get an email from the person that you're having a meeting with, in my case, I say up to 36 hours before that meeting. If that person emails me, it could be somebody I talked to six months ago and we set this event. And, and, and you know, we, I might have shown up for that call and not known that their kid was sick and they couldn't do it. If I get an email from that person up to, in my case, like I say, most people do less, like two hours, let's say. But I say 36 hours. If I get an email from that person, push me a notification. Because there's a pretty good chance either A, that's really current business I'm working on, or B, it's something where they're going to be canceling the meeting and how will I know about it? Or they want to change something or they want to add something to the agenda. Well, I do want to know about that. And this is, this is just extremely useful. Especially if you like meeting somebody for coffee and all you have is each other's email addresses. You may not have you know, a way to text. It's really great to get that push and they say, oh, I'm going to be 10 minutes late or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then here's where it gets great. There's a plugin that I use in Chrome and I think it's available for other platforms, uh, other browsers. Um, you're inside Gmail, and you'll see this little arrow next to the recipient's name. You see a little arrow next to the subject line. And when you click on that, you can say, you get a po- really cool pop-up menu that gives you all the options for filling in these two fields. Notify me over the next bloop, number of hours, days, months mm-hmm. via bloop, this method if uh, I get any other email with this subject line. For example, let's say I got a new client. I'll say, and I don't, I don't want to get notifications from that person forever. I don't even know if we're going to be working together. So I'll say, like, I'll resp- in response to like anything from this person's email address or with this subject, I can say, send me an iPhone push notification if I receive anything from this person in the next seven days and then not thereafter. And so it, it expires automatically. You don't, you're not going to have to go in and manually change filters. It'll just do that for you. So if there's something, you know, like you're somebody's baby shower and a bunch of people are going back and forth, you, anything with this subject line... Uh, push me an iPhone or whatever. You can send it, have it send you a text, have it send you a voicemail, whatever it is you want. Uh, it'll push that out to you for any number. Okay, so you see where I'm going with this. Any, any, this gives me a huge amount of control of saying, first of all, here's a whole bunch of people. I just, I just want to know if this person sends me an email. If my wife sends me an email, yeah, let me know. Um, and then second, uh, anybody that I'm going to be dealing with soon, let me know. And in this case, one at a time, each one of these things, I've handpicked these as things that I know I need to know about. 
And then, I mean, that's this is just so instrumental to me. Now, if I don't check email for a couple of days, uh, I might miss stuff. I'll right. almost certainly miss stuff. But now when I go through there, I'll be able to treat it like an adult and say, okay, well, this is a thing that I'm working on right now. If I hear, when you, if I need, you know, if I hear anything from this person, do the following stuff. That is that is so useful to me. There, and then there are myriad other services. I've used one called Cipher. Uh, there's all kinds of like automatic filing services you can use. Um, they all have their, there's like Q, you know, Q can like watch your email for deliveries and stuff like that. There's plenty of people have written plenty of stuff out there about how to deal with this stuff. All I'm going to say is this, like just, you know, I know, I know you're smart and stuff, but still stay open to the fact that your inbox really is kind of the wild west and nobody's going to be able to control that stuff except for you. So I think accepting that the onus is on you to keep that stuff responsible is, is a good way to go. Um, so the star of the show in this one really is probably a way find. Mm-hmm. Now, what about you? Do you, do you use VIPs? I'm just starting to get it because, again, I haven't really, there was not much of a reason to do that much of it before since I wasn't using the the app so much. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm starting to do that, I mean, there's there's the VIP thing on iOS where you can go in and set them in your phone and then you get the little star next to the people when you see it in your inbox. But that's not really the same thing. But I'm starting to do that now. Maybe that's what I need to be doing instead of, you know, that whole separate account thing that I've talked about before. Yeah, that's that's why I brought it up. Yeah, um, because I've tried things like that. I mean, it's like getting a private phone number. The thing is, though, then really that's another bucket to check. Right. And having that bucket of quality uh, does nothing to change the fact that there still could be bits of good stuff in your in your wad of un- unquality. And again, to just to, to beat this to death, somebody should write a book about this. What, what it comes down to is this fact that, that, as I say, your inbox is a combination of the unknown, uh, the undefined, and the incomplete. Uh, and, and like how much of any of that can you tolerate? Like if you need to know whether there's stuff in there, well, to keep your little badge on so that little red number shows up, well, now you know it's there, but what are you going to do about it? Like if you haven't processed it and decided what to do with it, well, then that's on your mind now. So now you got stuff that's unknown and stuff you haven't decided what to do about. And third, most of us have stuff that we know about, we haven't made a decision about, and even if we have, it's still not complete. And so that all sits in that same big box together. And that's what makes people crazy is because there's stuff in there you're scared to look at because you know it's not done. There's, there's stuff you're scared to look at because you know you haven't made a decision about it. And there's stuff where you're just scared to even open up the little Heisenberg box because you don't even know what might be in there. So you can't even get to your quote unquote to-do list because they're, they're, you might have to walk through a minefield to get there. So that's why getting this, and, and you know, and if you can't be perfect about that, at least come up with some kind of a system, even if it's a crazy Byzantine system like this, something that lets you not have to have that anxiety all the time. You know, if you get, you know, if you know that your boss is going to contact you probably in the next couple of weeks via email about something important, have a custom notification. Like, I can't believe when I'm out with, out with somebody and their phone is beeping the entire time. And I'm like, oh my God, you have email notifications turned on, don't yeah. you? And they're like, well, of course. It's so I just, I, I can't imagine that. That would be like getting a notification when there's an ad on TV. It's like, don't worry, there's going to be plenty more. <laughs> I don't know. I think the VIP thing is pretty good. I just, I, I've never loved the mail app on, on um, iOS. And, and, you know, almost all of them are either, ext- all the iOS apps people make, they, 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 they get cute. And because they are based heavily on Gmail, Gmail's, I guess, API, G- there's not that much cool stuff that Gmail will let you do. I think it's very difficult, for example, to have your inbox be anything but your inbox. So in my case, my inbox is important. What I live in is important and unread from the last 24 hours. Well, there's no way to really make that, I don't think, in most e- email apps. 
So you end up stuck in the same problem of having to trust Google to do a lot of the pre-filtering, right. but then also knowing that there's probably stuff that you're that you're missing. So I don't know. I think the notifications are a good start. And then, like for example, with the Wayfind, when you get that notification, you can open it up in a Wayfind the app and respond right from there. You can make changes to that. Or in my case, I'll often forward it to my OmniFocus uh, account where it'll create a task. That's how I roll. Mm. I put what I had put a, a Wayfind. Right here into the uh, into the show notes, jackals. I think I'm on their homepage. There's a picture of me with uh, with it gl- gives glasses. me con. Would you say that it gives you confidence to do what you need without hovering over your inbox twenty four seven, and that you you highly recommend? Would you say that? I would say that it gives me. I want to say confidence. Yeah. Something something twenty four seven. Yeah. Okay, we got to button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. <laughs>